0: Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be. Um, We are closing out a series today uh, that we've called Together, and uh, we are asking each of you, uh, whether you are watching online in Knoxville or here in Maryville, to give to the vision offering. We've been talking about it for several weeks today, and we pray that we would have 100% participation, that everyone would give something towards uh, this uh, vision. And We've been talking about our vision statement to uh, develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And then we've been talking about the strategy behind that. How do we do that? And so we've been talking about sharing the love of God, connecting to the people of God, and equipping today, equipping for the mission of God. And so in Ephesians four, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Uh, If you're a parent, maybe you've had this experience. You were uh, asked to coach a little league team. and, And so you decided to jump in. I've got a couple of different experiences with this. Um, I coached basketball and soccer and baseball uh, as a dad. And so I remember signing up to coach AYSO soccer uh, when my kids were little. I didn't really know much about soccer at that point. Played it when I was a kid, but didn't really know how to coach. And so uh, they, they told me I had to come to a training so early one Saturday morning, I had to go to the field and sit through this training, and they they were talking about all the rules and things that we had to do, and and uh, they they did a background check, they did an interview, you know, one on one with me, and and then they made me take a test on this stuff, and I just remember, you know, as a young dad, just like if I fail the AYSO soccer coach test, I mean, what kind of loser am I? And so I just remember, you know, being nervous about that. Of course. Luckily, passed it, and and uh, um, they gave me all the gear. They gave me a practice schedule, and they 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 gave me all the contact information. So it was a pretty good experience. I couple that story with my experience as a t-ball coach, and uh, so decided to coach t-ball, and uh, just said, "Yeah, I'll 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 be glad to help." And the next thing I know, is they said, "Awesome, you're going to coach the sharks. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> no training." No schedules, no gear, no nothing. Just you're alive and you said you'd do it, so good luck. <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of times in the church world, uh, because we need volunteers and because there are so many things that need to happen, you know, to, to make Sundays happen and the ministries happen, sometimes it's like people that say, Yeah, I'll help. Uh, it's almost like, Oh, you got a heartbeat? Golden. You can go, you can serve, no training. Uh, no, no, no background checks. No, no, nothing required. We don't care about what you believe about the Bible. You said yes, go. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to start with that. Those two stories because a lot of times that's how church is. But I just wanted to encourage you that we are not like that. Uh, we've always sought to be a church that actually equips its people for ministry, and 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 we have really tried to develop an equipping culture here at FC. And so. Uh, no matter what ministry you decide to serve in, uh, there's an onboarding process. Uh, there's training that goes along with that. Uh, there might be background checks if you're dealing with kids. Um, we not only do that, but when you uh, begin to serve, there's a coach over you. So that coach provides uh, equipping and ongoing training as you're serving. There's encouragement and appreciation along the way. And so we really hope that you have experienced that. and We really want to provide that for our people and I think sometimes the problem is, in churches, we've got this distinction between the holy people who are you know, staff members, pastors, who you know, are, are especially called to do this, and then you've got all the normal people that you know, just aren't quite as holy. Um, if you've ever thought that, that comes out of the medieval times where the Roman Catholic Church actually made that distinction. There are a category of priests, and then there's a category of the laity. And so there was a huge distinction there. And so all the laity, the lay people who aren't priests, they have to wait around for the priest to tell them what the Bible says and what they're supposed to do. But the scripture completely teaches the opposite. That's why we had the Reformation and and all that good stuff. And here's, here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2. Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, in the Baptist faith and message, the doctrine is called the priesthood of the believer. So the Bible teaches that as a follower of Jesus, you are a priest. And so that means that you are, are just as, you know, you're know you just on the same equal level as a pastor or anyone else who does this full time. So we're all priests and, and we're, we all have access to God. You don't need a pastor or a priest to confess your sin to or to go to God. You have direct access to God. Isn't that amazing? And because of that, you also have a unique calling and gift set, and you in fact are called to serve God's church. My role is different, right? Your role is gonna be your role. And so it's important that we discover what those gifts are and we use them for God's glory. That process uh, of discovering that is God equipping you. It's, It's the church equipping you. And that's what I wanna talk about Today And so let's read Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. He says this, And he, God, gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ. A few things that we want to learn from this. The first thing is this, Jesus gave you gifts. In verse 11, it says he gave. That means God gave. We read last week in verse seven that grace was given to each one of us, meaning he is, has given you a gift. He lists these five different gift sets and we'll talk about them in a second. But it says he gave, Jesus gave you a gift. You don't get to choose your gift. You discover your gift. Some of you think, well, I'm not good at anything. Wrong. In Christ, you have a spiritual gift. He has gifted you. Some of you are jealous of other people's gifts. Well, I wish I had that one and I wish I had this. And it's like, that's futile. That's a waste of your time because Jesus decided sovereignly what he wanted you to be good at. And it's important for us just to simply focus on discovering that gift and using it for God's glory. Now, we're all gifted in different ways because there are so many different roles needed in order to minister to our community. Um, Think about this. If you're a football fan, usually the center, the guy that hikes the ball to the quarterback, the center doesn't play wide receiver, right? Usually a fast guy that can catch the ball plays wide receiver and centers tend to be the big dudes. Um, Usually you don't want the kicker to play linebacker. Kickers are usually kind of small. They don't have the right gear. They're not very good at tackling, right? Usually And so linebackers have to tackle and they're usually big and strong, right? So there's different positions uh, and all are needed to make the team successful. Same in the life of church. In the book, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about those who build great organizations make sure that they have the right people on the bus and the right people in the key seats before they figure out where the bus is gonna go. So it's like we need the right people on the bus and those right people needed to be in the right seats and, and, and then we can go where we wanna go. But the most important thing is we, we think about where we want this bus to go. Well, we, we know the vision to develop mature disciples of Christ is where we're going. We know specifically right now, we wanna bless people financially. That's, that is organizations locally and globally. We know we need more space for people to park here. We know Knoxville needs to renovate, so that's the specific vision. And so it's important that we have the right people on the team and the right people, each of you, in the right seat. Now we believe, if you're a follower of Jesus, we believe you belong here. We believe that there is a place for you to sit, there is a key role for you to play. And so it's, it's, it's our duty, it's my heart, that we would help you discover where that is. But I find a lot of Christians, just simply don't think about their gift sets and how they can use them for God. And, and a lot of times they've had some bumps and, and they've tried to serve or they've tried to figure it out and, and they've kind of failed, or maybe not fail is maybe a strong word, but maybe it just didn't go great. And so then they just kind of back off and they just kind of you know, get in a groove and just kind of settle in. Um, it takes sometimes practice, it takes some, some messing up to discover your gifts. I'll never forget in the early 90s when I was in middle school, going into high school, uh, skateboarding was all the rage. Tony Hawk was all over MTV. Uh, Nirvana was singing Smells Like Teen Spirit or whatever that song was. And so punk rock, skateboarding. And and here I was like shaved head and, you know, played basketball. But I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be a skater. I'm going to be a skater. And so I taught my grandmother who was living with us at the time to to go to Walmart that day. She was glad to to come as long as she had a pack of Winston-Salem she was in. And so uh, we were off to Walmart and we get to Walmart and we come across the skateboard aisle and I was like, "Mama, I would love to have a skateboard. And she was like, you want a skateboard? Get the skateboard. Yes. So I come home, go out into the driveway and here I go on my skateboarding adventure, Right. I just kind of hit a growth spurt, so I was a little bit lanky and a little bit uncoordinated. But here I, you know, here I'm going right. I'm getting the little turns and the whole deal down, and I feel like I'm really starting to get it. I get on the road with a little hill, and I start to get a little speed, get a little scared, hit a rock. When I hit that little rock, I went flying, scraped up my elbow, you know, hurt my knee. Um, this was way before uh, helmets and knee pads and elbow pads and chin pads and. You know, all the pads you know that you know you make your kids wear today—they didn't exist. So I just remember there in pain, digging out gravel in my elbow, thinking, you know what, skateboarding's not for me. (laughs) Like it's not my gift set. So I never did it again. Now, couple that with another story where I didn't do so hot uh, in this situation either. I, I was in seminary. I was taking a preaching class and. Uh, part of our, our, our uh, project was we had to preach in front of the class. So talk about awkward. Here we are in a small class. There's like 12 other guys in the class. You have to give a 10-minute sermon. Um, and they recorded it. Back then, they had that big honking VHS deal, you know, set up. I still have the VHS of me preaching this message. Would you guys like to see it? <laughs> no way. No way is that going to happen. Unless you need to go to sleep or you need a good laugh, you do not need that clip. Um, but I did. I got up and I preached, and I go back, and, and, and not that I've gone back to watch it, but if I did, I know I was terrible. It was not good. The beginning wasn't good. I stumbled. I, I mumbled. I, I didn't end, land the plane well. Like, it was awful. So what's the difference between the skateboard story and awful and giving up and the preaching and not being so good, but not giving up? Well, the difference is a calling. The difference is a gift set. And when you believe that God is calling you to to something, that doesn't mean that you're going to do it perfectly the first time. You're probably going to mess up several times and you're probably going to feel awkward when you put yourself out there. But if there's a calling there, you believe that you're gifted to do something and it's, it's something that the Lord wants you to do, then you continue to push through. You continue to allow God to develop you. I think for us, the point that I'm trying to make is that Jesus gave you a gift so that you'd use that gift for him. He gave you gifts, so, so use that gift for him. See, the truth is some of you may not recognize this, but the gifts that God has given to you, you're using in your business. You're using at school, you're using in your, you know, whatever it is you're involved in at work, at school, sports related, whatever it is, you're using those gift sets. And that is great and wonderful. God wants you to do that. But don't miss the most important calling that God has given to you, which is to use those gifts for his kingdom. Use those gifts for him. And so I wanna encourage you to figure out what your gift is. Make sure you use that for God. Yeah, use it at work. Be blessed by using them at work. But we wanna ensure that we're using them for God. So in camp two, we talk about what these spiritual gifts are. And here's a, a quick list of what some of them are. One is the gift of administration. So some of you are really good at organizing and structure. That's a spiritual gift. You're using it at work. Use it for ministry. Use it for the kingdom as well. Some of you are good at evangelism or exhortation, sharing the gospel, encouraging people to follow Jesus. Faith is a spiritual gift. So some of you just have a tremendous amount of faith. And and listen, all of these gifts, we all are called to to be able to exhibit these gifts in some way. Sure, we, we want to be evangelistic. Sure, we want to have faith. But But the point of the gift is that some people are uniquely gifted to do these things even more so than the rest of us ever could. Some of us are are gifted with leadership. That's a spiritual gift. You're gifted with mercy or just simply serving. Now, again, we're all called to serve, but some of you just have a a, a spiritual gift to service. Like my mom, she didn't care what it was. She was serving every day, doing something to serve other people. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of wisdom. Some of you have the gift of giving. Again, we're all called to give, but some of you have the gift of making money. And you have the gift of of generosity. And so when you read 2 Corinthians 9 that says God loves a joyful giver, you're like, that's me. I love to give. I get so much joy out of giving. And so, yes, you have a gift to make money. That is great. Don't feel bad about that. Just ensure that you're not just using that gift to go on a lot of trips and build up your kingdom. Um, Not wrong to go on trips, hear me, but we wanna be able to provide for God's kingdom as well. We wanna use the gifts that he's given to us so that we could bless his kingdom. In the late 1700s, John Wesley uh, preached a sermon called The Use of Money. And his bottom line, I love this, for his sermon back in the 1700s was earn all you can save all you can, give all you can. What a great philosophy of life that, that, yes, earn all you can, make money, buy businesses, grow those businesses, all good things, save all you can, prepare for your future and retirement, and yes, get that, get that nest egg ready for you when you retire, and at the same time, give all you can. If we just live by that philosophy, some of us would just uh, be blessed and grow spiritually like never before. So Jesus gives us these gifts. Okay, here's the second thing we learn in this text. Leaders minister by equipping. Leaders. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. All of these are leadership gift sets to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So when, when When we are building each other by equipping, using the gifts that we uh, have been given, then we are building God's church. And so these five areas, apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds, these are leadership gifts in the church. And he's saying the role for leaders in God's church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That word equip can also be translated prepare. And so the word, uh, the the original Greek word speaks to the repairing and preparing of God's people for work, for service, for ministry. So the same word is used in Matthew chapter 4, and it's used to describe uh, James and John preparing the nets. And so they were fishermen, and so to equip, to prepare The nets, then they would clean the nets, first of all. They would get rid of the seaweed and the sticks and whatever was in there. And then they would mend if there were some broken uh, pieces of the net. They would repair those uh, spots. They would fold it correctly. And they would prepare this net so that tomorrow when we go back out, we'll be able to immediately be prepared to do what? Catch more fish. It's the same Greek word to repair and prepare. God has been repairing your broken heart. He has been preparing you to do a work in ministry, to serve him. And so we want to lean into that. And we want to discover that. And we want to begin to exhibit that. And as we as we put ourselves out of our comfort zone and start serving in those areas, God continues to grow us phenomenally. Paul talks about these five leadership Gifts. The first one is the apostolic gift. He says he gave some to be apostles. Now, don't confuse that word with the the office or title of apostle. The 12 disciples had the title and office of apostle, the apostle Paul, the apostle Peter. These were men chosen by Jesus, who lived with Jesus, who experienced the resurrected Jesus, right? So this office is over, but the apostolic gift set still exists today. And so this would just simply discover or, or describe someone who has the gift of starting things. This is more of an entrepreneur. This is someone who has a bigger picture vision casting uh, a gift set uh, to lead in that way. Uh, that would be an apostolic gift. The, the prophetic gift, again, this doesn't mean that there are prophets anymore. That, that office has ceased. And so the, you know you had prophets in the Old Testament. There was even a mentioned some prophets in the New Testament, but this office is over, but the prophetic gift in the general sense still exists. And so this is someone who enjoys and loves and is good at applying God's word to God's people. They proclaim and defend the gospel. These are deep thinkers oftentimes. They love deep theology. You've got the evangelist. These are people gifted in recruiting and gathering people. These are are people who enjoy sharing the gospel, who are are good at sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ. They love baptisms. They're really good outside the walls of the church. Then you've got the shepherds in the church. These are are folks who are protectors. They're, They're caring. They're nurturers, right? And so they love to be around people, and they love to provide care for God's church. And And then you've got the teachers, and teachers love to explain the Bible. They love to explain new truth and wisdom and help people understand it. So as a leader in God's church, some of you are going to be gifted in these ways, and you're going to have a primary strength and and probably a kind of a secondary lane that you're going to lean into as well. Uh, What's important is that all of these gifts are necessary and required to build God's church and to equip God's people The danger with these gift sets is that oftentimes they can divide us. Gift sets divide us because when you're gifted in something, you're usually really passionate about that. And so in the church and some churches, you know, split and new churches are started and they form a whole new church of people that are gifted in the same way. Why? Because they think the same way. And we're more comfortable around people that do things the same way and think the same way. And, and, and it's easy for us when we are leaning into our gift set to demonize someone else who has a different gift set. For instance, if you're gifted evangelistically, you think, oh man, we need to preach the gospel. We need to see people come to faith and we need to baptize. We just need more people and more decisions, right? We wanna see people come to Jesus. But if you only have a bunch of evangelists and you don't have any teachers, who's gonna teach all these new converts like how to grow in their faith and how to serve. Well, they don't. So you end up having a very immature uh, church because you just have a bunch of new Christians. And so both gifts are important. You might have somebody with an apostolic gift look at a shepherd and say, hey man, you got to get more organized. You're, you're, just, you're just not organized at all. You need some structure in your life. And the shepherd looks at the entrepreneur and say, all you care about is structure. You should care more about people. You see, our differences. is we end up demonizing each other instead of appreciating each other. And so churches tend to think that their lead pastor, their senior pastor is good at all five of these things. And if he's not, then he's not a good one. I'm here to tell you, none of us have all five. It's just not the case. That's why God creates a church, a team of leaders and people who are not, I'm up here and you're down here, who are all equal, right? Who all have a calling and a gifting to lead and equip God's Church, all these gifts are necessary. So practical ways that we see equipping happening here at our church. Now, every ministry, like I said, has this onboarding, whether it's kids ministry, student ministry, production ministry, there's the initial training, there's the coach and ongoing training. All of that is taking place in our process. Sunday morning is part of equipping all of us. Our discipleship process starts with base camp. So that is, what is God's church and, and how can I get involved in the mission of God? Then there's camp two, where we talk about how God has designed you. That's an acronym. We talk about your spiritual gifts, your personality, your history, how all of those things have designed you to be who God wants you to be. Camp three is, is a, a leadership class where you can really begin to think about how to be a leader and, help, and, and, and truly begin to equip other people. All of this is happening with small groups happening, where in a small group, you're equipping each other and you're growing uh, in that relationship by connecting to the people of God and connecting to God's word. And um, in two weeks, base camps, camp twos, start again. If you haven't gone, that's my plug for you to engage. Once you go through these steps, it helps you understand yourself a lot better. You'll know what you're passionate about and how to better use your gifts. So leaders minister by equipping. And then thirdly, saints are gonna minister by serving. Saints serve. Now, you're thinking in your head, well, I'm not a saint. (laughs) Well, scripturally speaking, God calls his followers saints because it's not your effort that makes you a saint. It's the blood of Jesus that saved you that makes you a saint, right? So it's Christ in you. So that's part of your identity now as a follower of Jesus. And so saints minister by serving. We equip for the work of ministry. Leaders equip for the service and work of ministry. Verse 12 and verse 16, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. And so it builds itself up in love. And so saints are gonna be ministering when they are serving. So we equip each other to build each other. And that's why the church exists, to equip you, to release you back into the world, grounded in truth and community, ready to demonstrate and share the gospel, equipping you to do ministry, right? Helping you overcome sin in your life to be a more effective effective disciple of Christ. And as we serve, Jesus, in fact, continues to equip us. Sometimes we think, man, I'm not good enough for this. You know, I don't know if, if, if I'm talented enough. And if that's your attitude, that is the perfect attitude. We, we don't want, you don't want a pastor that thinks, oh, I'm perfectly qualified to be the pastor and I can do this job really well. Like you don't want that guy. You want the guy that says, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not good enough to be up here. But I'll do it, God, if you call me to do it. And that's the same attitude God wants you to have. Like, I'll do it if you call me to do it. I'm not good enough, but I'm going to trust you that you've equipped me and going to continue to equip me. I'm going to trust you, God, that you're going to give me everything that I need to do what you've called me to do. Maybe you need to work and serve and and grow in ways that you have, and I want to encourage you to take that step. You say, what does it really look like? Practically, what's it look like? I would say three areas really, really easily if we're gonna serve, it's gonna require a sacrifice of your time. If some of you are really busy, you've gotta sacrifice some of the things that you're doing so that you have time to serve God. You're gonna to have to sacrifice your talents. Yeah, you're using these in all areas, so many different areas, fantastic. But you've gotta sacrifice some things so that you can use those talents for, for ministry. But then thirdly, I, I gotta sacrifice financially, my time, my talents, and my treasure. Financially, I've got to sacrifice some, maybe some trips and maybe this type of of, of, of living lifestyle. Why? Because I want to, to be able to give my portion, my percentage, my part to be faithful. And so I'm going to sacrifice financially and give them my treasure and my talents to God, my time, my talents, my treasure. And we do what we can with what we have. And so we're called to serve. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that your role is to discover gifts and develop them. I can't. Force you to do this. I can't make you do this. As a follower of Jesus, every single one of you have to learn and and, and discover what those gifts are and then develop that gift. And when you do, beautiful things happen. The body of Christ grows, you grow. And what happens as you are growing and as you are serving, God gives you opportunities to mature. And that's really the key. The key is that we would mature in our faith. Let's keep reading. In Ephesians 4, he says it like this. We're gonna equip the saints for the work of ministry until when? When do we stop? Until we all attain the unity of faith and the unity of knowledge of the Son of God. Until we reach mature manhood. Some of you would think, well, I think I'm a mature man. Well, here's the measure of mature manhood. The stature and the fullness of Christ, which means we are just like Jesus. And you haven't reached that level, bro. I'm just telling you. Neither have I. We never will. But we strive for the fullness of Christ to the measure of of, of his life. That's what we're striving for. Verse 14, so that when we reach maturity, we're no longer um, like children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. In every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the calling, right? This is what he's calling us to do. Leaders equip, saints serve, and the church is built. Leaders equip. Saints serve, and the church is built. He's calling us to maturity. What does maturity look like? He says in verse 13 that maturity looks like unity. Unity. Unity of what? Unity of our faith and unity of knowledge, that we would be united around our faith in Jesus, that we would be united around the knowledge of the Son of God. If, you don't, if we don't have the same essential faith and the same beliefs, we're not gonna be united. If we don't believe that the vision, the great commission to go and make disciples is in fact what Jesus is asking his church to do, then, then we're never gonna be united. But when we're united around that faith, if you don't believe Jesus forgives us and saves us, then we're not gonna be united. And so that's why he says, this is where it starts. Maturity starts when we rally around this idea of unity and faith in, in knowledge. He says we're united when we're theologically stable. So he says, don't be a child tossed back and forth like you're on the waves by every wind of doctrine. Some of you look and scroll social media and you hear some other pastor preaching or somebody teaching about you know something and, and you, you're hook, line, and sinker, man. You dive right into what they're teaching and all of a sudden you doubt everything. It's like, bro, relax. Talk to the trusted leaders that God has put into your life. This is the church he's called you to be a part of. Like actually talk to human beings before you go leaving the faith or you get some wild hair about some, some doctrine that, that you know, you've never heard before. Like don't be a child, be mature. And we wanna be biblically and theologically sound. And then he says maturity looks like speaking the truth in love. Can't just speak the truth, we wanna do it in love. And we can't speak the truth in love if we don't speak the truth at all. And part of the problem with our churches today is that we're afraid to talk about the truth of Scripture. And, and, and maybe we don't do a great job of doing it in love, but, but there's gotta be that balance. And, 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 and so sometimes we share the truth as loving as we can, but it still stings, still hurts, still is uncomfortable. Why? Because we're not always good with truth. We like lies. We believe lies from the enemy, but unity and, and maturity requires that we don't get tossed around theologically and it requires that we speak and handle the truth in love. The bottom line is, if we're going to mature, we're going to contribute. We're going to be contributors. That's why we use the term partner. We don't just call us you know, members like we're part of a country club. We're a part, right? And this is something that we've been saying for, for 14 years from the very beginning, that we want you to be a partner, and take part in what God is actually doing here. And today, the call for each of us is to give financially in some way. It's that We would all say, I wanna put my faith in Jesus first, and I wanna do that with my finances. I wanna contribute financially so that we as a church can meet needs, invest in people, bless people, provide space for people who want to be here. And and, and we wanna bless God with the gifts that he has given to us. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the way that he is going to build his church is by leaders equipping, saints serving, and then the church is built. And I can tell you right now in this room and in the room in Knoxville and at home, if you're watching online, the capacity right now for growth, for those listening, is incredible. The capacity for creating change in this community is unbelievable. The amount of resources in, the, in these rooms listening to this message is unbelievable. What would it look like if we all did our part, if we all gave something, if we all served in some way? Our vision and theme this year is together. Together we bless, together we expand. Together we want to be able to financially bless Local organizations and organizations like Vapor Ministries that's creating water wells and got healthcare in in places like Africa and Haiti, creating businesses for locals so that they can be sustainable and not just give them free stuff, but teach them how to grow a business and and lead a business. It's incredible ministry. It's being a part of the cooperative program uh, with Southern Baptists, being able to plant churches and right now in West Tennessee where there aren't a lot and in the Northeast where we need more churches in the Northeast and bigger cities. And not only that, but sending missionaries, almost 3,000 around the entire globe, we're part of that. Disaster relief when a disaster happens, like Southern Baptist are the first ones on the scene. When you give, you're giving to that. But not only that, but we know practically we need land. We need more parking. We know that that's part of like, if we're going to continue to meet needs in this community and for this church. We know that Knoxville needs a a renovation to create better space than than what they currently have. It works now, but it needs to be better for those that God wants to send. And so that's why we've been asking you to give. Give towards this end. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't thought about it, to right now, let's let's think and let's prepare our hearts to actually give. I, I want you to take a look at this video of a some of the members of our church, partners of our church that have been uh, a part of this church for a long time. And, and uh, after we watch this, then we'll come back and I'll close us out with a special calling. Let's take a look at this.
1: I've been a part of FC since the beginning in 2009. I've seen lots of different forms of FC through FC kids, FC students, and now I get to be a part of the first ever FC Knoxville College Small Group. We've been coming to Foothills for about 10 years. We've been given tools. I think about all the things we've done in the last 10 years. We've gone to camps, base camp, camp two, camp three. We've done marriage conferences, classes, and just even the sermons.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing is we've been able to see a lot of the milestones of Foothills Church and just how that's played into our own kids' lives. You know, like that's one of the things that makes FC so important to us is that you know we've been here for the opening of the new building I've seen the staff double in size, the attendance in, on Sunday mornings triple in size to see a second location open and things like that and just be able to be a part of that and so that's just one of the things that kind of has really helped us you know just continue to easily get above and beyond when we can where we can with our time with our talents with our gifts uh, even financially.
1: Because I have been at FC since the beginning I have had Numerous people impact me and my family's life. I believe that the leaders in my life have really shaped me of who I am today. I give back to FC because growing up in the church, I've seen the impact that leaders and serving has had on my life. So I want to give back to the next generation. And I serve through FC Kids and pouring into those kids every day, I know is going to have an impact on their life, just like it had on mine.
2: One thing that we've always caught from Pastor Trent uh, the vision every you know every fall winter it's just trying to keep re-upping and being a part of seeing things see the gospel move in Mirabel, Knoxville wherever uh, just as fast as possible
1: we invest in foothills and we give back to foothills because it's important to us but we know that we can't do it alone so we we give in the hopes and um, prayer that others are giving and together we can all make an impact on the community and uh, the next generation having this new facility, to call home has been so special and in this next season, I believe God is doing a ton here at FC and I truly believe He's not done yet.
0: I know a lot of times, uh, maybe the experience of trying to fit in and find your calling and gift sets. Sometimes we just come as we are and we like try to you know force our way into a certain area Right, and, and, and when we don't fit exactly, you know, we just kind of say, oh, I, I guess I don't belong here. And so we just kind of maybe just leave or we walk away from church or, or um, maybe try to find another place. But what I want you to know that part of the equipping process that God e- is equipping you, that, that means that he's gonna have to carve out some chunks in your life. That painful experience that you went through, yeah, that was part of the process to equip you, Right. He had to take that out. He had to remove that so that you would be ready to fit in the spot that he has for you. So Some of you are trying to force it and, and, and you're trying to skip the equipping phase and, and, and you're trying to uh, uh, just kind of drown in the painful situation that you might be in. And it's like, God is using each and every one of these phases, almost like a key in your life. You know, you think of a key that hasn't been ground out or chipped away. It's like over time, as God God works these grooves into our life through various experiences and and knowledge that we grow that one day that key is finally tuned to where it fits into the lock and it turns and it opens and unlocks your future. And part of our calling is to do this together. And so um, I do wanna encourage you to scan the QR code in front of you, use the envelopes to be able to give. You can give online. Let us hope and pray that as a church, we would see 100% participation in this so that we could see God do what only he can do. I'm gonna pray and then let's worship together uh, before we leave. Heavenly Father, you are good and we know that you are working all things for our good. And so Lord, we're just praying now that you would find us to be faithful with our gifts find us to be faithful in the way that we partner with your church, find us to be faithful by, by doing what you're calling us to do. God, I pray that you would bless what is given and that you would use it for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you would multiply it and, and just like you multiplied the fish and the, the, the breath loaves to feed 5,000, Lord, I pray that you would multiply this miraculously so that we could do far more than we ever expected or hoped to do for this city and for this community. And so God, bless our giving now. We thank you for the opportunity to do so. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment.
2: We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.